Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, Santino Marella. And you're listening to the Wrestle With Hope podcast. Now, I know during these times of quarantine, the quarantine times, it can be a little bit difficult. But remember this. No matter how many cloudy days there are, the sun is going to come back out. And when it does, it's going to shine down. In all its magnificent glory upon our faces, it's going to be awesome. They say less is more. So the freedoms that we're going to be returned to, we're going to appreciate it that much more. God bless you, all of you. You son of a mucka. <laughs> Welcome, true believers, to Wrestle with Hope, a wrestling podcast with a Saturday morning sentiment and Sunday morning values. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova. My wrestling fandom covers the birth of Hulkamania, past the Monday Night Wars, and all the way to this modern era. Each episode, we talk about what's happening this week in wrestling currently. We talk about what happened this week in wrestling history, and then we give the go-home signal with a Wrestle With Hope word for the week. And along the way, you'll catch a glimpse of what my wrestling past was like and why I still watch now. So let's talk about what's happening this week in wrestling, because man, did it get interesting, okay? First off, last Wednesday for AEW Dynamite, we had some really interesting results going on. The uh, AEW Dynamite announce desk was reunited. We had Excalibur and Jim Ross all rejoining Tony Schiavone. But then the matches were just just uh, insane what we were what we got to see going on. Uh first, you know, you had Cody Rhodes defeating Joey Janela with the crossroads. Uh then uh you know, later on in the show you had John Moxley defeating Frank Kazarian. Kazarian was back with some hair during quarantine. He uh he, he grew some follicles and he came back representing SCU, uh, but the new look didn't keep him from getting pinned after a paradigm shift. After that match, a bunch of Dark Order goons attacked Moxley, and this is starting to get interesting because SCU joined in to help Moxley, but they all got taken down by the masked men, and then Brody Lee came out in a suit and hit Christopher Daniels with a chair, while a beaten Moxley laid in the ring, Brody stood over him, cut a promo challenging him for the AEW World Championship. John Moxley finally pulled himself together enough to accept by saying, all you had to do was ask. And then the goons just beat him up some more. And then Brody Lee left with the championship belt. Took the AEW championship belt with him, has been posting pictures on social media all weekend with that belt, including a very sweet Mother's Day photograph uh, with the championship belt. I thought it was just really interesting. And uh, so that's what's going to be the main event, by the way, for Double or Nothing. You're going to have John Moxley versus Brody Lee. Then uh, sitting at a desk, Brandy Rhodes cut a promo on Jake the Snake Roberts, warning him that he doesn't know her and needs to keep her name out of his dirty old mouth. Her words, which uh, probably came back to haunt her later because Lance Archer, Lance Archer with Jake Roberts defeated QT Marshall with Brandy Rhodes in his corner. Now, during the match, 
Dr. Britt Baker hit QT Marshall with her shoe, and then Brandy grabbed that shoe and threw it way up into the stands over at uh, Daly's place. Then Archer demolished Marshall with an EBD claw before pinning him. After the match, Britt attacked Brandy at ringside, knocked her out with a DDT. See where this is going? Then Lance Archer dragged her into the ring, and Jake Roberts just menaced her with a live snake. The snake is back with Jake. Later on, backstage, Taz attempted to interview Darby Allen about his loss last week, and Darby refused to talk. He started pushing the mic away and leaving. Now, that's going to get a little bit interesting. I'm really looking to see. Darby Allen just really got interested in him lately and just seeing where, seeing where things go with him, especially for AEW. Now, the main event of AEW Dynamite, the only way that I could describe this main event was pure fun. <laughs> this was the most fun I'd had watching wrestling in a long time, only by, followed later on by something else that happened later on this week. But let's just kind of talk about this real quick. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, they defeated Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy in three different incarnations, by the way, uh, in a tag team street fight. Matt Hardy switched personas about multiple times during this match, at least three times. He had three wardrobe changes during this fight. And then everything uh, just kind of spilled out all over Daly's place, this, the, this practice stadium, basically. At one point, he and Kenny ran down Sammy Guevara with a golf cart. And uh, that image, if you've seen that image so far, it's, it's going to make for a great meme uh, just of Sammy just getting chased down by a golf cart and Kenny Omega just charging at him and uh, just pointing is just it's crazy. Then Kenny did a moonsault off of a scissor lift, a scissor lift. I mean, just elevate up in the air, did a moonsault. Chris Jericho power bombed Omega on top of the golf cart, and then Jake Hager just choked them out before Chris Jericho hit the Judas effect and pinned him. So this was a lot of fun. The report doesn't do it any justice. Go back, go on YouTube, go wherever you can. And watch this match. It is just pure fun uh, to see uh, happen. And just, you know, just so many people were involved, especially the Inner Circle. And then they're posed down at the end with the Inner Circle logo behind them. Uh, it just, honestly, this thing is, if you want to know what AEW is all about, this is it. You got to check it out. So uh, NXT followed up with some great matches, by the way. Uh, Johnny Gargano defeated Dominic Dijakovic. And uh, Gargano pinned Dijakovic with a one final beat after Hurricane running him into an exposed turnbuckle. Gargano had a new entrance video for this match and said that he's now all heart, no soul. Imperium, Marcel Barthel and Fabian Aikner, uh, they uh, cut a promo challenging for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And obviously that's going to be with... Uh, uh, the bro, well, it's not the broserweights anymore. Who are they? Because you have Matt Riddle, and then his new partner, uh, who's replacing Pete Dunne, Timothy Thatcher. So, I don't. Are they still the broserweights? Are they now like a whole faction or something? I don't know. But um, man, it's just the the tag team division at NXT just continues to evolve and get better and better and better even during all of this lockdown, quarantine, and travel restrictions. It's just, it's beyond me. Uh, the question I got, though, is, uh, so Imperium, these two 
were they like in the US and then now they're like they can't go back to UK for a while? How did we get half of Imperium over here on this side of the pond? We can't get Pete done. This is all the stuff has just been so crazy. Then you have the interim NXT Championship Tournament, NXT Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. You had Akira Tozawa, who is an all-star in NXT and a um, just can't seem to get a win on any other brand. Akira Tozawa defeated gentleman Jack Gallagher, pinning him after a hitting a senton in the top turnbuckle. Then you had Chelsea Green defeated Zia Lee. Aaliyah interfered in the match, distracting Lee and allowing Green to hit the I Am Prettier for the win. Robert Stone shook hands with Aaliyah after the match. So is uh, Robert Stone building his stable? Never know. Velveteen Dream cut a promo on Adam Cole about their upcoming NXT championship match. And then we got Karrion Cross and Scarlet, formerly known as Car- a Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux. They made a dramatic entrance for Cross's first match on NXT that included a lot of smoke and uh, even some lip syncing. So, Karrion uh, Cross defeated Leon Ruff by submission. NXT Women's Championship match happened, by the way, where uh, Io Shirai cashed in her title shot. She defeated Charlotte Flair by disqualification after Flair attacked her with a kendo stick. And after the bell rang, Flair continued to attack Shirai and then... Bum-ba-da-bum. Rhea Ripley stopped the attack and ran Flair off. Ripley is back. Shirai yelled at Ripley in Japanese, followed her backstage while Ripley told her to shut up. So uh, anyway, Rhea Ripley is back. I'm excited, ecstatic. Um, hopefully uh, maybe soon to dethrone Charlotte from her NXT championship reign. During the commercial break, uh, you had a continuation of what was going on. Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley had a pull-apart brawl backstage. And uh, maybe this is going to turn into a triple threat. Don't know. Then for the interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship, you had another tournament match. Kushida defeated Jake Atlas by submission with an arm bar. That's one of Chris Jericho's 1001 holds that he knows, by the way. Finn Balor cut a promo on how whoever attacked him, quote, won't get the push you're expecting, but will, quote, get a squash instead. Very interesting. Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, by the way, versus Imperium for the tag team titles. That was announced for this coming week. Then you had Cameron Grimes defeating Denzel Desjournettes with the cave-in. And then after the match, Grimes cut a promo about how he deserves more than what he has right now in NXT and called out Finn Balor. Balor entered the ring behind Grimes and confronted him. Grimes then tried to back out of the whole situation. Balor attacked him with a double foot stomp and a sling blade. Balor then cut another promo about how he'll find and get revenge on his attacker. This coming week on NXT, Finn Balor versus Cameron Grimes. Watch this match. I am telling you, Cameron Grimes is, is a talent beyond uh beyond all recognition right now. He's just he's incredible. He's a he he's a bright spot in NXT and uh really enjoyed watching him live a couple times I've had a chance to and uh can't wait to see Balor versus Cameron Grimes. I think it's gonna be great. Then uh, in the main event, you had NXT Championship match. You had Adam Cole, baby, defeated Velveteen Dream. Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong tried to get involved in the match, but then Dexter Loomis 
attack them. However, Loomis didn't stop Strong from incapacitating the referee. Dream got a visual pinfall with the Purple Rainmaker, but Cole got the definitive pinfall with the ref watching after hitting the last shot. So this is probably far from over, and uh, Dexter Loomis is just an interesting addition to what's going on here in the main event picture at NXT. Now, we move on to the pay-per-view because we had a really interesting Money in the Bank. First ever Money in the Bank that happened inside Titan Tower, the headquarters of the WWE. And uh, so here's how the pay-per-view worked out. You had a kickoff match with Jeff Hardy defeating Cesaro with the Swanton Bomb. When will Cesaro get his day? I don't know, but it wasn't this weekend. In the Fatal 4A match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, you had the New Day defeating the Forgotten Sons, the Lucha House Party, and Miz and Morrison. Biggie hit the big ending on Grand Metalik to retain the championship for his team. By the way, Grand Metalik um, sporting a brand new mask that uh, let out his flowing locks, kind of, kind of like a um, like little bit of a vintage psychosis there, or vintage. Uh, not vintage Jushin Thunder Liger. That was just recent, but yeah, it really reminded me of like Psychosis. Remember Psychosis? Um, in the WCW Cruiserweight division, right? He had all that just wild hair with that mask. I bought that mask as a replica one time, and just to have, it was like I I was in this lucha mask phase where I had a bunch of different lucha masks, and I tried on the Psychosis mask. And just a word of warning: when you're bald, it's not so impressive. So just so you know. <laughs> further down in the card for Money in the Bank, you had Bobby Lashley defeating R-Truth. This was originally to be scheduled as Truth versus MVP, but then Lashley interrupted the pre-match argument about basketball and yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, Bobby Lashley is taking on R-Truth, and Lashley won with a spear. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, you had Bailey defeating Tamina uh, in surprisingly a, a good match. I hate to say surprisingly, but yeah, I... It's not what you would have expected. Sasha Banks distracted Tamina, allowing Bailey to counter a Samoan drop into a crucifix pin to win the match. After the match, Tamina tried to Samoan drop Bailey again, but was stopped by Banks. So the Bailey and Banks storyline continues to get pushed further along. We'll see what happens then. For the Universal Championship, you got Braun Strowman defeating. Children's host Bray Wyatt. It was not The Fiend. Wyatt wrestled as himself and not The Fiend, and he had his puppets at ringside. Well, Strowman put on Wyatt's black sheep mask, and the two men hugged. Wyatt was happy until Strowman took off the mask and then power slammed Wyatt and won the match. Um, I like Bray Wyatt. I'm a huge fan of Bray Wyatt. Big fan. But uh, Bray Wyatt as the, as the man, like the show host, the, the, the kid show host, Wrestling, it doesn't do it for me. So I just kind of feel like I I would rather see The Fiend in action than to see Bray Wyatt. I would rather see cult leader Bray Wyatt in action than kids show host Bray Wyatt. So I, I don't know. Something, they got to do something with that. And, and honestly, it just, it's basically just going to, it just sets the stage, right, for The Fiend now to want revenge on Braun Strowman. And then we'll see where things go from there. Then in the WWE Championship match, you had Drew McIntyre defeating Seth Rollins. Rollins has a brand new entrance theme, by the way, which you can uh, it, you could imagine kind of fits the Monday Night Messiah um, feeling a little bit more. And 
it's a, it's probably a good thing that there's no fans in the crowd right now because I think that they would probably revolt against Seth Rollins getting a new theme song because they're so used to screaming out, you know, burn it down. So uh, I don't know that everybody would be into that. So I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Drew McIntyre won with a Claymore kick, by the way. And then after the match, McIntyre and Rollins shook hands. That was really surprising. Um, and then something weird happened to Seth Rollins over the course of the rest of that weekend because he was a different guy on Monday. We'll, we'll go into that in just a second. Then you had the Money in the Bank ladder match. As advertised, the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches took place simultaneously, starting on the ground floor of WWE headquarters in Stamford. And then they worked their way up to the roof. This... This, this was a lot of fun to watch. I've since gone back now. I've probably watched the Money in the Bank ladder match now at least two to three times, right, in, in their entirety. And bits and, bits and pieces, too, like since then. But this was a lot of fun to watch. I got to tell you, it's just I've been a fan of, so far, their, their other departures. I've been a fan of you know, the Boneyard match. I was a fan of the Firefly Funhouse match. And this just follows right along with it. This was a comedy. I mean, honestly, here's the thing. If um, if we're going by genres here, and the, the Boneyard, if the Boneyard match was like a gritty Western fist fight or a gritty, like, dra- dramatic fist fight, then you had the Firefly Funhouse, which was like this absurd thriller almost, right? It was like half scary, half funny, right? This is a comedy. This was a straight up road comedy. If I, I would have I would have loved to seen them like in the car on the way there, and then they have to run up to the roof to get the suitcase. This was like um rat race. This was like it's a mad, 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 mad world. This is this is exactly what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be the fight scene of both cannonball run movies. When they are they're, they're already in the race, right? They're in the throes of the race, and then they have to stop and they have to fight like the biker gang or they have to fight the mob and like all this kind of stuff. This whole thing worked for me on a level where I was able to, (laughs) normally when it comes to wrestling, I'm able to suspend my disbelief to begin with. Then I had to suspend my wrestling disbelief and say, this is strictly meant to entertain me. So let's just go for it. And man, they, they started off, the women started off in the lobby of, the WWE headquarters. And they started off there right next to the statue of Andre the Giant, which was just really cool to see. One, I want to go there one day. I want to, you know, anyway, I've already stood in front of the statue before, but I want to, I want to go there one day. Just, you know, you know, just be a lot of fun. They start off in the lobby there. Oscar though, starts off in the balcony of the next floor up and dives off onto the women to begin the match. The men started off, which with what I have to assume is also the ground floor, but it's the gym. And the guys started off in the gym, all standing in a circle and basically, you know, using the gym to fight. Otis was hilarious. He, he, he's a power lifter, right? So he grabs like the heaviest weight possible and puts it on top of um, AJ Styles' chest. And AJ Styles is acting like Loki from the Thor movie when the when Thor puts the hammer on Loki's chest and Loki can't move it was hilarious he's begging Rey Mysterio to help him out and Rey says nope and then he leaves 
Baron uh, Baron Corbin, King Corbin, he smashes a mirror. So that's seven years of bad luck. This guy's not winning another title now until 2027. That's it, right? Seven years of bad luck. And, you know, he he did they were hilarious working their way all the way up in there you had cameos from brother love stephanie mcmahon paul Heyman, john laurinaitis then you had vince mcmahon in his own office okay and this is what was funny it was like vince mcmahon if you look inside his office then there was all of these like little easter eggs in vince mcmahon's office of stuff that you like you never see Vince McMahon ever in jeans, and that's like a thing. But, but here he is, right? He's standing in jeans in his office. He uh, he's a germaphobe, and so obviously the last thing he does before we leave his office is he squirts a bunch of hand sanitizer and you know starts rubbing his hands. He's very quirky. If you've never heard any stories about Vince McMahon, he's very quirky. And one of the things that is like a mandatory quirk of his is you put those chairs back if you sit down put the chairs back to where they were before you leave the room, apparently. And they worked that in. It was just kind of funny. He's like, the yellow pad, everything about it was cool. And then who has a dinosaur head in their office? Only Vince McMahon. And that's real. That thing is really in his office. Insane. Uh, you even had the Undertaker's casket <laughs> and urn in, a, in an office. Uh, an employee wearing the Doink the Clown makeup. It was just, you know, just really interesting stuff. At the end of it all, though, there's one thing that we know. Number one, uh, Baron Corbin is a murderer because <laughs> he just took Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio and threw them off the roof. Apparently, we found out later he did not throw them off the roof, but it was a separate landing that they had. And if you look at the overhead shots of Titan Tower, you could see the crash pad there. But man, C- Corbin, what, come on, what are you doing, man? Uh, also, he's so greedy. He wanted to be the first person to grab a briefcase. He even fought Asuka just so that he could be the first person to grab a briefcase. And then Asuka just kicked him right off the ladder and out of the ring. It was just it was really funny. So here's the result. The women's Money in the Bank ladder match included Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, who, by the way, Dana Brooke, you're a wonderful person, but wh- did you forget that the briefcase is on the roof? Above the ring? Why would you think that it's hanging in a in a uh, um, conference room? Anyway, that was not not very wise. Dana Brooke, <laughs> Lacey Evans, and Carmella. Asuka pulled down the briefcase after knocking King Corbin off the ladder as he was trying to fight her for the being the first to get the the briefcases. Then in the money in the men's money in the bank match portion of things, Otis defeated Daniel Bryan. Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, King Corbin, and AJ Styles. Styles and Corbin fought for the briefcase at the top of the ladder. And then they dropped it after Elias, who came out of nowhere, appeared and hit Corbin with a guitar. Otis was declared the winner. He caught the briefcase. He was declared a winner. He even yelled out, yo, Mandy, I did it. So that love story continues on. And Otis is our men's Money in the Bank ladder match winner. I have to assume. This is just me, and I just kind of think it's kind of quirky. I'm going to make this prediction. I don't think Otis is going to cash in on a singles title. I think he's going to use that to cash in on a tag team championship opportunity, and it's going to be another first here 
in the Money in the Bank situation for the WWE. That's just what I'm thinking. It's my prediction. Uh, let's just jump over to Raw real quick. I just wanted to talk about a couple things. First off, um, I have never... Th- there's very few times in my life where I am really happy for somebody and then also really sad for that person at the same time. So that being said, congratulations, Becky Lynch. Becky is pregnant. Her and Seth are going to have a child. And big congratulations to Becky. It's great. You know, that that's just that's wonderful. Very sad also that she had to give up the women, the Raw Women's Championship as a result. Obviously, she would have to do that. But she just got to the milestone of being the longest running Raw Women's Champion. She is the top star in the company right now. She's the most popular star in the company right now. And who knows when she'll come back or if she comes back or anything like that. And so it's just one of those things where, I mean, I think she will come back you know, down the road. My guess will be Royal Rumble 2022. You heard it here first. Royal Rumble 2022. She's going to be a surprise entrant and you're going to hear, oh, and then everybody's going to go crazy that Becky is back. But anyway, it'll be a while before we see her. And just, man, what a way for it to go out and what a way for it to be done. I, the, the, the whole opening segment was a little bit clunky, but as a result of this, uh, what we have been hearing that she was going to confront the winner of the Money in the Bank match. And we thought, oh, it's got to be a Raw person. Or it's got, you know, we were trying to figure out like why or who and all this. And the reason why she was going to confront the winner is because she was going to let them know that the, she was going to let the winner know that the Raw Women's Championship was inside the briefcase the whole time. The match wasn't for a title shot. It was for the title. And um, so there you have it. You know, there you had the whole thing. I, it was The whole thing was a little bit clunky. I wish that Becky would have had an opportunity to kind of have the sole focus there, that she would have been able to make the announcement, relinquish the title, and then we would have just known that the belt was in the briefcase. Maybe, you know, I don't know, but, you know, just congratulations to Becky. We're going to miss you, but, you know, um, the the man is now the mom. Later on in the show, it was just so weird because Seth Rollins had this dazed and confused look, and you're thinking to yourself, is he dazed and confused because he lost to Drew, or is he dazed and confused because of, like, the baby announcement, right? You don't know. We still don't have any clarification, but... All Rey Mysterio wanted to do was say congratulations. And as a result of it, who, by the way, Rey Mysterio is alive. Him and Alistair Black didn't die in Money in the Bank. They fell off onto a secondary roof. Um, But as a result of this, Seth Rollins just, you know, destroyed, destroyed Rey and poked him in the eye with the stairs. Not cool. We're going to talk about that, I guess, down the road. Um, but another thing that made me happy about Raw this past week was simply this. On an episode of A Moment of Bliss, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were there. I love them, but they were also interrupted by the Iconics. They are back. I love them. They entertain me to no end. So they exchanged some words, and then they agreed to a non-title match, which then the Iconics won, which means that next week they've got a shot at the women's tag team championships welcome back Peyton and Billy the Iconics later on that night we had 
a, an interview between Edge and Randy Orton. Randy Orton congratulated Edge on defeating him at WrestleMania, and then they began to walk out, and then he revealed, no, he couldn't do it. He returned to the ring, and he said, he's the better wrestler because it didn't take him nine years to heal from his WrestleMania injuries. So he challenged Edge to a normal match at Backlash, and uh, so that's it. They're going to have a wrestling match, just a regular match, the two of them, and uh, that's what we're going to see at Backlash is going to be Randy Orton versus Edge. Again, so we shall see how it is. Hey, guys, if you are enjoying Wrestle With Hope, let me encourage you to make a donation to Ability Tree Florida. Support their mission to come alongside overwhelmed families of children of special needs and provide rest, recreation, education, support, and training. One of the ways that you can support Ability Tree this month is by signing up for our virtual 5K. You could do that at Ability Tree Florida 5K. Org. You could run a virtual 5K anytime, anywhere, at any pace. And so you could get more information about signing up for a virtual 5K. You could sign up for the, for the 5K package that gets you a racing bib, the medal, and the event t-shirt all sent to your door. And you can make the run at any time, anywhere, at any pace. If you'd like to support us on a monthly basis or for a one-time donation, visit donorbox.org slash wrestlewithhope. And you can make a donation as well. Want to say a big thank you to our new monthly donor and Legion of Doom member, Tim, for your support. Knowing that you've got our back makes us feel, what a rush. So now, let's talk about this week in wrestling history. Some really fun and exciting things happened this week in wrestling history. One of those was um, a, uh, an incredibly special event held in honor of David Von Erich. David Von Erich was one of the Von Erich brothers who had passed away at the time, and this goes all the way back to May 6th, 1984. It was the first ever world-class championship wrestling David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions held in Dallas, Texas. Some of the highlights of this event included gentleman Chris Adams and Sunshine, defeating Jimmy Garvin and Precious. Chris Adams was the originator of the super kick. It wasn't Shawn Michaels. Chris Adams was the first one to use that as his finisher. Junkyard Dog defeated the missing link by disqualification. Rock and Soul. It was a tag team made up of Iceman, King Parsons, and rock and roll Buck Zumoff. They defeated the WCCW American Tag Team Champions, the Super Destroyers, Super Destroyer 1 and Super Destroyer 2. They are actually Wild Bill and Scott Irwin. And then, in the semi-main event, you had Fritz Von Erich, the father, Kevin and Mike Von Erich, the sons, defeating the WCCW six-man tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, and Buddy Roberts to win those championships. Now, um, when it came to tag teams, the Fabulous Freebirds and the Von Erichs have had a lifelong feud, and so it was just really neat just to see that as part of the event. They became the six-man tag team champions that night. But in the main event of such a special evening, you had Carrie Von Erich wearing the Yellow Rose of Texas, wearing David's robe to the ring, and he defeated the NWA World Heavyweight Champion 
the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, to win that championship in an incredible way to memorialize and honor his brother, David, at the end of an incredible night. I want to encourage you to check it out if you can't find it on YouTube. It's, a, it, it's, it's highly emotional in a lot of ways and uh, just really like a great um, wrestling story. So much tragedy going on in the Von Erich family and, and at least this is one of those things where um, the tragedy was beginning, but that memory will live on forever. Kerry Von Erich entering the ring with David's robe. Um, very cool. Very cool to see. Then we uh, let's fast forward all the way to May the 7th, 1989. WCW World Championship Wrestling Wrestle War. It's the Music City Showdown that happened in Nashville, Tennessee. You had the Nature Boy Ric Flair pinning at the time. NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to win the World Championship. This was part three of a trilogy of matches that, listen, if you want to watch, if you want to see what the what the best matches in wrestling could look like, look at the Steamboat Flair trilogy. The first thing, the first match happened at Chi-Town Rumble in Chicago on February the 20th, 1989. The second match between them happened at Clash of the Champions 6, Ragin' Cajun in New Orleans on April the 2nd, 1989. And then you had their third match, Wrestle War Music City Showdown, Nashville, Tennessee, May the 7th, 1989. Flair wins that last match by pinning Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And then after the match, Flair's attacked by Terry Funk. Funk at the time was working as a commentator for WCW Asked for a title match from Ric Flair. Flair turned him down. And then Terry Funk pile-drived Ric Flair at a ringside table. Now, here's the thing. This was not during a time where we had table spots. This was not during a time where we had table spots where the tables were sawn in half or already scored or, or gimmicked in some way. This was one of two table spots that I remember in my time literally being scared of what was happening to that person, and that was Ric Flair. Terry Funk just pile-drove him into that table, and, man, it was, it was scary, and it set off another incredible feud for Ric Flair. Then, as we continue Wrestle War, you have Michael P.S. Hayes from the Freebirds pinning the NWA United States Heavyweight Champion Lex Luger to win the, ti- the, to win the title. And then you had the Dynamic Dudes. It was a tag team made up of Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace, also known as John Laurinaitis, people power, right? They were two uh, skateboard riding dudes, and <laughs> they, they were that was the tag team. They defeated the Samoan SWAT team, Samu and Fatu, whose manager was Paul E. Dangerously. That's right, Paul Heyman, another cameo from the Money in the Bank match in this match. You had Sting. At the beginning stages of his popularity, defeating the Iron Sheik to retain the NWA World Television Championship. That was one of my first memories of Sting was really kind of seeing him with that title and thinking how cool uh, this guy was going to be. Then you had the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal with Precious Paul Ellering, their manager, defeating the Varsity Club, Mike Rotunda and Dr. Death Steve Williams by disqualification in a match for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. The Russian Nightmare, Nikita Koloff, was the special guest referee. Or should I say, friend of the show, Nikita Koloff, was the special guest referee. 
And then you also had Eddie Gilbert, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, and Rick Steiner with Missy Hyatt defeating the Varsity Club, Kevin Sullivan, and Dangerous Dan Spivey to retain the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. Let's fast forward all the way to 2007. WWE SmackDown on May the 8th, 2007, coming out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You had The Undertaker defeating Batista in a steel cage match. And then immediately afterwards, Edge cashed in his Money in the Bank title shot for the second time and defeated The Undertaker to win the World Heavyweight Championship. We're going to close out our time with two firsts here in Wrestle With Hope. First one was this. The first ever episode of WWF Saturday Night's main event happened in Uniondale, New York. That was on May the 11th, 1985. Saturday night's main event would air on um, like, I think it was like once a month or once like on every fifth week or whatever. And what you had there was um, it was a replacement for Saturday night live once a month, basically. And the WWF had this special time slot and it was a really interesting kind of show because it was so late at night that they would put the main event of the show first and then they would end the rest of the show with like the lower card matches. They wanted to get a high rating at the beginning and they wanted, you know, maybe for some kids or whatever to catch Hulk Hogan before they went to bed. So they always put the main event first and then all the lower matches happened afterwards. So the card for this event included Hulk Hogan defeating Cowboy Bob Orton by disqualification for the World Heavyweight Championship, WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Then you had Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeating the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and George the Animal Steel in a six-man tag team match. Then you had the WWF Women's Champion at the time, Wendy Richter, who was literally at that moment the female Hulk Hogan defeating the fabulous Moolah. And then you had, in the main event of the night, or the last match of the night, the Junkyard Dog defeating Pete Doherty. (laughs) And uh, that was it. That's how you ended the first ever Saturday night's main event. Then you had, on May the 14th, 1995, WWF In Your House, Syracuse, New York. They gave away a house at this pay-per-view, guys. A whole house. And uh, Todd Pettengill was the host. And then, um, oh, what was the name? I can't remember the name of the female host. Stephanie Ryland, something like that. Uh, but Todd Pettengill. I love Todd Pettengill. He was the host of WWF In Your House, and he gave away a whole house. I wonder what happened to that house. Let's find out together someday. Uh, the card was really interesting. It definitely a snapshot of WWF in 1995. You had Jean-Pierre Lafitte, which actually was the pirate version of PCO from Ring of Honor right now, defeating Bob Holly. Brett the Hitman Hart defeated Hakushi. Razor Ramon, hey yo, defeated Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie. And you had Mabel with Mo, Men on a Mission. They defeated Adam Bomb. The WWF Tag Team Champions, Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna, defeated the Smoking Guns, Billy Gunn and Bart Gunn, to retain the WWF Tag Team Championship. Then you had Jerry Lawler defeating Brett the Hitman Hart. uh, I don't remember him wrestling twice. Anyway. Then you had... Diesel defeating Sid by disqualification to retain the WWF championship. The Undertaker defeated Kama, Kama Mustafa, who 
the supreme fighting machine, Kama used to be Papa Shango, who became the godfather, who became the good father, and went back to being the godfather. He was Kama for a cup of coffee. Then you had Bam Bam Bigelow defeating Tatanka with Ted DiBiase as his manager. And the British Bulldog defeated Owen Hart. And it ended in a time limit draw. So there you have it. That was the first ever In Your House pay-per-view. And now it's time for the Wrestle With Hope Word of the Week. The Word of the Week is joy. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may, mat- you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. And listen, we are in a time where there are trials, right? We are going to face trials of many time, many kinds, and we are facing them right now. There are trials of many kinds happening, and we, we're facing them. And our reaction to them is, is what we're going to get out of them. And so if we look at this and say, okay, I'm going to consider, I'm going to consider this joy. I'm going to find the good in this. I'm going to find the positive in this. I'm going to find out, instead of asking why me, why don't I ask how can I grow in this? Or what am I supposed to learn from this? Or even say, instead of why me, why not me? Why, why shouldn't I go through this? There's something I've got to grow from. There's something I got to learn. And if anything, that one of the things that we've learned during this time of self-isolation is that you can find simple things that make you happy, that bring you joy. And especially if you can share that with others, you are doing your part to help other people work through their perseverance as well. It's the Wrestle With Hope word of the week, joy. Find something that brings you joy and share it with somebody else. Thank you guys so much for joining us for Wrestle With Hope. Please connect with us. Do our voicemail line is 352-340-3648. Our email is wrestlewithhope at gmail.com. You can connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Wrestle With Hope. Support Ability Tree Florida if you've enjoyed this podcast at donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope. Thank you to Josiah Williams for his song Number One Contender as our theme song. Follow him at J. Dean Williams and at Wrestle and Flow. Big thank you to Greg Goslin, who is the artist of our artwork in our logo. Follow him on Instagram at Greg Goslin to see more incredible art. Guys, this is Wayne Cordova signing off. Remember, if God is for you, who can dare stand against you? And so long from the Sunshine State.